Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your Ring of Honor final battle post-show, along with your NXT deadline post-show, right here for December 10th, 2022. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday evenings, wherever you may be, man. I... Didn't know what I wanted to do when I woke up today. Do I do one and not do the other? Do I do both? I don't know, man. I didn't know what to do. I made a late executive decision to sit here tonight to talk about both shows. It's a little bit of a daunting task, to be quite honest with you, because there was a lot of wrestling tonight. There was a lot of wrestling tonight, so I don't know how detailed I'm going to be in going over legitimately everything, but we are going to try our best to get through this Ring of Honor final battle and NXT deadline post-show right here on the podcast tonight. I want to thank everybody for joining me on your Saturday evenings. And obviously, the match of the night to me, no doubt about it, no question about it, it's not even a fucking discussion, is the Briscoes and FTR For the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships in the double dog collar match. I have never seen a double dog collar match in my entire life. And we've seen dog collar matches with Punk and MJF. We've seen it with Brody Lee and Cody Rhodes. We've seen dog collar matches in AEW. It's one of their things. Tonight's was completely different. Tonight was absolutely incredible, man. I, I don't think when you look back in 2022, and I know everybody wants to jump on the Usi train with the Usos, and everybody's in love with the bloodline and Sami Zayn and everything that's going on over there heading into WrestleMania season. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Usos are not a world-class tag team. They are every bit of a number one tag team than anybody else in the industry. They deserve to be number one with the work that they've put in this year, they deserve. Creatively, it might not be as good as what FTR has done, but there's no denying how great the Usos are. It's almost as if Dax and Cash went out there and said, okay, fuck your PWI top 100. We're going to show you exactly why we believe we are the best tag team on the face of the fucking planet. And that's exactly what they did with the Briscoes tonight. You're not going to find a match like that anywhere. It was the perfect storm. You're not going to find the trilogy. I dare you to find a trilogy in recent memory that is going to measure up to what those four men did. You, you, you can't. You, you can't do it. You can't do it. The first two matches were some of the best tag team matches that I personally have ever witnessed in 
35 plus years watching this great sport. Those matches will not be touched. They may be number one and number two that I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, after tonight, I don't even know where I would rank all three matches in the same fucking list. I may actually have to give the nod to tonight's match because it was just a culmination of legitimately everything. Everything. Cash even had it on his tights tonight. Literally, it was a day away to the day where this got started and then it concluded. Last year's final battle on December 9th, 2021, we concluded tonight on December 10th, 2022. It was written on the back of his tights. The most violent match that I think you'll see all year. You can talk about your blood and guts in AEW. You could talk about whatever you want to talk about with WWE. I don't think anything comes out of WWE could really be labeled as violent. It's not their thing anymore. Easily the most violent match of the entire year. Easily the most physical match of the entire year. It was the perfect conclusion to one of the greatest trilogies that you and I will ever see. Any two teams, not even any teams, any wrestler, wrestlers will put themselves through. Unbelievable. It was a passing of the torch. It was the Briscoes winning the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. And they are now the face of Ring of Honor's tag team division. What does this mean for FTR? I don't know. I don't know what it means for FTR. I know Dax was interviewed by Sap, and he said that they're keeping their options open. Good. They deserve to keep their options open. After what they've done this year, they should have the fucking vault delivered to them for the amount of work that they put in this year. Tony Khan has given them the platform and they have exceeded every single fucking thing that Tony Khan has given them. They deserve to be paid. And they deserve to go out there and at least keep their options open to see what the other side is going to do for them and to see what the other side is going to pay them. And like I said, it's not a Vince McMahon tag team fucking division anymore. This is a Paul Levesque tag team division. I'm still not happy with where it is, but it's leaps and bounds better than what Vince and Bruce Prichard gave us. It can't be any worse. They hated tag team wrestling. They legitimately hated tag team wrestling. If FTR went to the WWE right now, they would be in good hands, and there would be a sea of competition for them to work with. The Briscoes won tonight in what I thought was easily the best tag team match of the entire year. And the reason why they won is because we have a TV deal imminent. This is great news. FTR now can stay on AEW television without having to do anything else. I think Tony Khan understands that the fans want to see FTR. He wants FTR. He needs FTR on television as long as they are healthy. I don't want to burn them out. After tonight, I have no fucking idea when they'll be back in action. They deserve weeks of vacation with tons of tequila being served to them on silver platters. I don't know what's going to happen to them. 
I think Tony Khan understands that he needs them on Dynamite. The Briscoes can now run Ring of Honor. They have been signed exclusively to Ring of Honor. Otherwise, we would have seen them on Dynamite because there's no reason why you have the Briscoes on your roster and you're paying them and you're not using them on Dynamite. That would be an easy decision. Warner Media doesn't want anything to do with the Briscoes. So now they can run that tag team division over there. FTR, they can go to New Japan, Wrestle Kingdom, drop the IWGP World Tag Team Championships, and they could finally, hopefully, get 2023 started on the right track by winning the AEW Tag Team Championships. Having them run that division the way that they've ran every other division but that one this year, I think that's a great start to 2023. Not there to talk about that yet because the acclaimed are doing great work. But now that the Briscoes are tag team champions, you see where the vision is now for Tony Khan. Briscoes over there. FTR doesn't need to build that anymore. They are more than capable of doing that. And FTR can go do Ring of Honor, or AEW rather, while Briscoes do Ring of Honor. That's it. Excellent, excellent, excellent match. If you missed it, I highly insist you go out and watch it. And me breaking it down and going over the spots is not even going to do it justice. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. The match ended. Dax's tights were covered in blood. They, were, they, they came to the ring wearing white tights. And by the end of the match, they were fully red. Unbelievable. I think Mark Briscoe was bleeding about three minutes into the match. Tremendous, tremendous shit. The other big highlight of the night, to me, was the world championship match with Chris Jericho and Claudio Castagnoli. Now, I've been a big fan of Chris Jericho for many years. I've been a big fan of Chris Jericho's Ring of Honor work, his world title run, since he won it. It was the only thing Ring of Honor that I actually found enjoyment in because I do feel, and it, it, is, it is my opinion, that a lot of the Ring of Honor influence that was kind of being spread across Dynamite that wasn't Chris Jericho was wearing the show thin. It was dampening Dynamite to its core audience. And I didn't like that. But when Chris Jericho was on the show, we know Chris Jericho is AEW. We know Chris Jericho is one of the faces of AEW Dynamite. We know Chris Jericho was the first ever AEW World Champion. So when Chris Jericho wins the Ring of Honor Championship, I didn't really find that to be, or I didn't really find that to feel very Ring of Honor-esque. He was holding the Ring of Honor Championship, but he was never one of those guys that felt Ring of Honor. But the work he did was tremendous. Everything he did, from the storyline of him desecrating the title to him issuing a challenge on a weekly basis to anybody that was a former Ring of Honor World Champion to come on into AEW and wrestle me. I will slay them all. He even reinvented himself again. The Ocho. Chris Jericho doesn't get enough credit for the way he reinvents himself every single time he does something like this. You might not have liked it because you felt like it was Ring of Honor on an AEW show, but all I saw was Chris Jericho being Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho being Chris Jericho is fucking great. And the matches that he's given us, this isn't like fucking Goldberg in there. This is Chris Jericho. For his age, he looks phenomenal. For his age in the ring, he's able to go with anybody and everybody. Half his age. 
So let's start to show Chris Jericho some fucking respect. I thought what he did with the world title and it being a Ring of Honor title on AEW television where a lot of people complained about its presence on the show, he did tremendous. And that match with Claudio was chef's kiss with a great ending that nobody expected because I have been watching Claudio for many, many, many years. Never seen him win a match with the fucking Cesaro swing. Claudio swing, whatever, whatever he's calling it now. Absolutely stunned when the match was ended. 30 revolutions in the Claudio swing, and Jericho had enough. That's what I call a great ending to a great match. And now Claudio is the world champion. And Ring of Honor is being set up. A lot of what happened tonight, we got world champions on this show crowned because Ring of Honor is now finally starting to take shape. Claudio won the world championship. The Briscoes won the tag team championship. Athena won the women's championship. Embassy won the six-man tag team championship. Samoa Joe is still the TV champion, which I'm not taking those belts off Samoa Joe at all. Samoa Joe is doing some great work as well. This is the best we've seen of Joe in three years. Athena was the other highlight of the night for me. A tremendous match with Mercedes Martinez that did not feel like the other women's matches we've seen on Ring of Honor pay-per-view this year where they felt like duds. They felt flat. Athena is somebody that brings energy to what she's doing, and she's now transformed herself into what I think is a must-see women's professional wrestler. Now, I've been a fan of Athena's work since... Her early days in NXT. I hated the fucking way that they booked her on the main roster. They buried her on the main roster. She got injured and tore a fucking ACL by chasing the 24-7 championship. That's how little Vincent Bruce cared about her. Her interview with Chris Van Vliet was fucking emotional, and it made me angry. It justified everything I fucking said about that fucking place then. It justified how I felt about Vince, about Bruce, about people power. I hated them all. The way they gave her the runaround, the way Laurinaitis wanted her to dress sexy when she didn't want to, and she's not a bad-looking woman at all. Forcing a Mandy Rose look on all the women's locker room because he's a perverted motherfucker who Jim Ross says deserves the hell that he's getting and he should pay dearly. I love it. She had a tremendous night tonight. Mercedes Martinez had a tremendous night tonight. That, to me, is women's wrestling. That is what I want out of a women's wrestling match, especially for a championship. No fluff, hard-hitting, physical. They're not afraid to get their hands dirty. Those two women are professional wrestlers. And Athena winning that championship, A, I don't want to take away from the win. I don't know why she's not on Dynamite. I don't know why we have not seen her on Dynamite if she is that good. Why is she not in that women's division? Why is she not winning the TBS championship? Why is she not wrestling Jamie Hayter for the AW Women's Championship? Why isn't she in there with Tony Storm? Why isn't she in there doing what she did tonight in the AEW Women's Division? It makes me wonder what took her so long. But this is one of the very few positives about Dark. I don't watch Dark. I don't watch any of the YouTube shows. 
But this gave Athena the opportunity to change something about herself, reinvent herself, get it out there to get people excited, showcase it, put it into action, and now people love it. And this is the best Athena that we've seen since the NXT black and gold days. This is great. I love everything about it. It just makes me wonder what took her so long. She's the new Ring of Honor Women's Champion, and she will be a great ambassador for that company. Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Yuta. This was for the ROH Pure Championship. You know, you could sit here and tell you and tell me, oh, it's another rematch. Oh, it's the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Jericho Appreciation Society. So what? Good wrestling is good wrestling. Do I want it to end? Kind of. I'm not going to sit here and fucking tell you that it needs to end right now, but do I want to see it end? Yes, it's been going on for too long. I'd like to get some fresh matchups going into the new year. We should not be talking about Blackpool Combat Club and the Jericho Appreciation Society going into next year. Jericho losing the championship to Claudio and Wheeler Yuta winning the pure championship from Daniel Garcia tonight should be the end of the story. That is it. Whatever's happening with John Moxley, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of have a feeling John Moxley may be going rogue. I don't know if you guys watched that match with Takeshita last night on Rampage, which was tremendous. I don't know why anybody would think Takeshita is not a great wrestler. Yes, John Moxley bled, but damn, was that a good match. I don't know what's going on with Moxley, but I feel, and he was not there tonight to celebrate with the Blackpool Combat Club. I just feel, don't quote me on this, I just feel it personally, that John Moxley may be going heel. I feel like John Moxley turning heel could be a nice change of pace for John Moxley, especially after he wrestled Takeshita last night, and people were booing John Moxley when he beat Takeshita on Rampage last night. That is very telling. John Moxley is one of the biggest baby faces in all of pro wrestling, and he got booed because Takeshita lost I don't know what's happening with that, but I could see it. But Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia, man, you know, you could sit there and tell me it's a rematch. You could sit there and tell me, oh, they're two vanilla midgets. <laughs> and all this other nonsense you're on social media. You are not going to find two fucking guys at this age who work this great together anywhere. They are legitimately yin and yang. They are legitimately fucking uh, pasta and a meatball. They're Mario and Luigi. They are just fucking great together. They really are. They're Michael Romeo and Russell Allen of Symphony X. Legitimately. They're fucking great. So fucking good they are. They are incapable of having a bad match. What they did tonight was just show you that, A, they will fight forever. This will be done again and again and again, and the scale of it will be larger and larger and larger. But man, the fucking story tonight, the goddamn story tonight was what drove me to watch this match with eagle eyes. Every single rule about the pure championship and the rules of the match, Will or Yuta expended them one after the other, after the other. You can't throw a closed fist. He threw a closed fist. One more time, he threw a closed fist in that entire match, which went about 20 minutes. He was going to lose and get disqualified. 
Willie Uta had expended not one, not two, not three, but I guess the, the third one. There's three of them, right? Three rope breaks in that entire match. He expended all three rope breaks in that match, and he was out of rope breaks. You can't reach for the rope anymore. So whatever Daniel Garcia opted to do after the third rope break, referee can't break the hold. It's now a legal move. Daniel Garcia dissected him, dissected him like a fucking, like, like he was on the emergency table. Dissected him that entire match. And it was almost as if Wheeler Yuta was a baseball team that was down 3-0 in the World Series. And he fought, and he fought back. He won game one. He won game two. He won game three. He tied the fucking series up. And then, in the late innings, made it a 4-3 series win and wins the championship. Wheeler Yuta was behind that entire match. And he ended up winning the pure championship. Unbelievable stuff. That, to me, is what I love about pro wrestling. Watching the story that two men create in the middle of that ring. Something like that is always going to be interesting to me. And Wheeler Yuta is such a great babyface that's got the crowd behind him. And Daniel Garcia is somebody that just goes in there. He is so fucking cocky. He's so good at what he does. He doesn't give a shit what you think about him. He knows how good he is. He may not be your cup of tea, but he knows how good he is. He goes in there, and he doesn't give a fuck about anybody. He's killing Yuta all match, and Yuta comes out right in the end and wins it all. Love it. Great fucking match. Swerve and Keith Lee against J.D. Griffey and Shane Taylor. Now, I was very critical of this match on social media because I was like, well, why would you into why would you introduce Shane Taylor to the AEW universe the way that they did? He just randomly shows up in a backstage segment. I was very critical about this. That caught the eye of Swerve himself. Blah, 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 blah. Just watch. Blah, blah, blah. And whatever else he told me. And I told him, listen, I know you're going to have a great match because you're fucking incapable of having a bad one. And I'll do my research before I get to the fucking post-show and find out what the fuck is going on because that's exactly what AEW wants. They want us to use the Google machine to find out what the fuck is going on because they're too goddamn lazy to give me a fucking video package. And I was right. The match was very good. Crowd was into it. I never seen any of Shane Taylor's work, but this is why I watch. I love finding out new shit. I love finding out about someone that I didn't know about previously, and I love seeing who they are and why they are a big deal a big deal to this audience. And Shane Taylor to me is a legit fucking badass motherfucker. He's got those lo- he's got those eyes, that look in his eyes where he just brings a sense of legitimacy in the facial expressions he brings to the table. Never mind the fucking size of the guy and the way he moves. He's basically a clone of Keith Lee. He may be bigger than Keith Lee. But man, the legitimacy that he brought to the table tonight and this audience knows, which is a very small portion of the audience, this audience knows about Shane Taylor and Keith Lee five years ago. They were a tag team. They were a tag team in Ring of Honor. And they were together for quite a few years. Three years, four years. And I got it in my notes. I said I was going to do my research. The Pretty Boy Killers 
were their tag team name. And the reason why Shane Taylor has a problem with Keith Lee is because Keith Lee opted to go to WWE. Keith Lee opted to leave Shane Taylor in the dust because he wanted to go venture off to black and gold. He signed with Paul Levesque. Shane Taylor had to find new tag team partners. Shane Taylor had to go find his own way. He eventually signed an exclusive deal with Ring of Honor and became the Ring of Honor television champion and is heralded as one of the greatest Ring of Honor television champions of the entire company's history. So I didn't know any of that before coming into tonight. All I cared about was Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. That's all I cared about. But at the end of the night, what they did was told a great story. But the story that I care about is not the Shane Taylor one because I don't really, I wasn't there. It's not going to feel the same to me going back and watching it and then watching this match. I need to live through those moments to really get the impact of how they are and how they feel and how they should feel. Not going to go back and watch Honor Club and this and that and go find all footage about what happened and who turned on who and why who left and all this other nonsense. I'm here for Keith Lee and I'm here for Swerve. And what they did tonight was continue their story to their inevitable match because when Keith Lee was upset at Swerve walking out on the acclaimed, we had Swerve walk out on Keith Lee. Now, the main difference is when Swerve tonight walked out on Keith Lee, Keith Lee got the victory over his ex-tag team partner. He won by himself when Swerve left him in the dust. Keith Lee pulled it out and beat both Shane Taylor and J.D. Griffey. Swerve, when he was left by Keith Lee, he couldn't get the job done against the acclaimed, and they lost the tag team championships. Or they lost that tag team championship match. So, there's a difference there, and that is, to me, going to be highlighted when they get back to AEW television. And we are now going to be on our way. How we get them to fully split, I don't know. But the story there tonight was a nice little string along for us to go and bring us to Dynamite where hopefully this explodes and we get both of these men going their separate ways. Because tonight, there was an inevitable split in Swerve and Keith Lee. And I thought it was a very good tag team match. Crowd was into it. That always helps. Shane Taylor looked great. Him and Keith Lee mixed it up well in the ring. I don't know who the fuck J.D. Griffey was my first time watching him. He looked decent in the ring as a tag team partner to Shane Taylor. And Strickland, good as always. What do you want me to say? So, I enjoyed what they did and the story that they told on Ring of Honor tonight. The Embassy won the six-man tag team championships against Dalton Castle and the boys. And Samoa Joe retained the TV championship against Juice Robinson. Ring of Honor was a great show tonight. And it's always going to end up that way. Until we get solid Ring of Honor television that we can solely focus on without it having to bleed onto AEW television. It's going to be like that. Ring of Honor, we can sit here and say, Ring of Honor sucks. Get it off Dynamite. I'm tired of seeing this shit every fucking Wednesday. It should be Ring of Honor Rampage. I don't know why they're calling it AEW Rampage. Enough of the Ring of Honor shit, blah, 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 blah. We could sit here and curse it to the high heavens, but when we watch a show like this, we're all happy. And I said it not once, twice, but three times. 
Ring of Honor is as close to black and gold NXT shows as you're going to get. When you watch a Ring of Honor show, you're watching something that is absolutely, in essence, a black and gold NXT show. And it's always going to be that way. The presentation is the same way. They got a decent commentary team with Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman, right? This was a great show with a great audience, with great wrestling. Everything about this show, to me, is what we want out of Ring of Honor. We just don't want it on AEW television anymore. When that happens, you're going to see a great interest in AEW. The interest in AEW is going to go back to where it should be. People will appreciate Ring of Honor as its own standalone roster. They will appreciate the talent as they will be exclusive to Ring of Honor. What that roster is right now, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But when all of that happens, things will get back to a sense of normalcy. Tony Khan mentioned, he said it on the media call before this final battle show tonight, and then he mentioned it in the post-show media scrum Tony Khan talked about the TV deal that will be happening for Ring of Honor. This was kind of a disappointing news article and a disappointing statement by Tony Khan, but there is news, and I'll give my take on this right now. Ring of Honor is getting a weekly television show. Where will it be? HBO Max, Netflix, Warner Media, TNT, TBS. Where is it going to be? Honor Club. You're going to have to pay $9.99 to watch Ring of Honor television weekly. It's kind of weak, but that's not it. That's just in the interim right now. Tony Khan said a real TV rights deal will be announced in January. What that is, I don't know. But he said this at the press conference. He did not provide any plans or a start date for when a weekly television show would begin, but the news is going to come out after Wrestle Kingdom in early January. The reason for this is that Tony Khan expects New Japan to be heavily involved in the project, and he's been talking to them about Ring of Honor and their new TV deal. Khan said he wanted to take advantage of the development work that former owner Sinclair Broadcasting funded on the technology behind Honor Club that his team finished off. The service is now available for $9.99, has their complete archive available with future pay-per-views, including Final Battle, moving to the service 90 days after that they actually happen. Khan said he is going to keep the existing relationship with Warner Brothers Discovery and Bleacher Report to keep airing pay-per-views based on the success thus far with them. Khan says he expected some talent to remain exclusive with Ring of Honor and also have involvement from other promotions like New Japan Pro Wrestling. He also mentioned his relationships with DDT and Noah and mentioned having a luchador presence as well. Do you want to know what I think about this? I know a lot of people are going to be disappointed by that news and you're going to have to pay $9.99 to watch a weekly television show in the interim for Ring of Honor. First of all, we don't even know what the fuck that roster is. I think that's important information to let people know. Who is on their roster and who, who will you be using on a weekly basis? Who's going to be writing the shows? Are you going to be booking the show? I mean, this is what I don't want. I don't want Tony Khan involved outside of writing the paychecks. I think Tony Khan needs to set 
a, a top-tier world title division, TV title, tag team titles, women's division. One hour is enough for a Ring of Honor show. You don't need to do two hours. I don't want him to blow his load on Ring of Honor. It's just not there yet. Simple is best. Slow and steady wins the race for Ring of Honor. I don't want to hear about Tony Khan writing the show, producing the show, creatively making decisions for the show. He could be the end-all, be-all, but he needs a writing team in place. One for Dynamite and one for Ring of Honor with him at the fucking head of the table making decisions. That works. I don't want that. I want to see that. I want to see him. I want to see her. That's what it needs to be. But the fact that New Japan is working potentially with Ring of Honor, do you want to know what I think about the fucking TV rights deal? They may be on Honor Club right now, but this is what I feel. I feel like Ring of Honor is going to be in a partnership with New Japan again on Thursdays after Impact. (laughs) Nobody watches Impact, man. We're all going to be waiting for fucking uh, Ring of Honor in New Japan. That's exactly what they're going to be doing. Impact from 8 to 10 on Axis TV. And then Ring of Honor Thursday at 10 p.m. to 11 on Axis TV. Well, worse yet, maybe 11 to 12 on Axis TV. Because right now, New Japan has that one-hour block from 10 to 11 on Axis TV. That is awful. That is awful. Nobody wants that. I don't know why we just can't put them on fucking Discovery uh, Discovery app. Discovery Plus. Just make a section right there. Let me favorite it. I got my paranormal shit. I got my cooking shit. I got my wrestling shit. Ghost Adventures, Guy Fieri, and Ring of Honor. What's the big deal? That's what I feel is going to happen. He's talking to New Japan because he wants to buddy-buddy and rub elbows with fucking uh, Rocky Romero and everybody else over there, and he's going to end up putting Ring of Honor on Axis TV from 10 to 11 or worse, 11 to 12. Who the fuck has Axis TV? I got Axis TV because I'm paying for the fucking premium cable package, but how many of you got Axis TV? That's a bad move. I would much rather it than just go to YouTube. Do it, do it on YouTube. In a real world, in a perfect world, Ring of Honor would be great on Saturday nights at 6.05 p.m. on TNT or TBS. But it's tough. Maybe Monday nights from 7 to 8 is a lead into Monday Night Raw. Is that possible? On TNT or TBS? But the thing is, You can't do Mondays because you probably got a lot of basketball coverage on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesdays, on Thursdays, right? Hockey. Then you got the MLB playoffs when they they swing around in October. Can't do Mondays. Can't do Tuesdays. Maybe we do Tuesdays from 7 to 8 and lead in from NXT or lead into NXT, rather. Wednesdays are dynamite. Thursday, he doesn't want to step on the NFL's toes with Thursday Night Football. I don't know how long that's going to be, right? If Thursday night football wasn't a thing, I'd say just throw a ring of honor on Thursday night. Nobody fucking cares about impact. Who gives a shit about them? Friday night, you got SmackDown. Saturday, who's watching pro wrestling on a Saturday night? You're pretty much, you know, behind the eight ball on that one. You're uh, risking a failure right there on Saturday night because nobody really watches wrestling on Saturday night. We're all adults. We're out at the bar. We're out to dinner. We're out with our wives and fucking girlfriends and all this other shit. Family. 
out at a concert, out doing this and that. There's no good time slot for Ring of Honor. So where does it go? It's either before all the weekly shows from a 7 to 8 lead-in, or you do it on a Saturday. Not going to work. YouTube would work great. I think YouTube would work great. People could go back and watch it on demand. It's a nice little revenue stream for AEW and Ring of Honor. And it's no harm, no foul. It's the, it's the most simplest way to go about it. He probably wants a little bit more as far as what he's paying for with Ring of Honor. He may look at YouTube as like a last, last, last ditch effort. But everybody's on YouTube. Everybody is on YouTube. YouTube is the number one streaming platform on the fucking planet. Why would YouTube and streaming on YouTube be a bad thing? Just find a right day and a right time and just put it on YouTube. Package it, present it like a legit show that we would usually see. And all you need is one hour. All you need is one hour. That's it. This is going to be a very rocky, uh, rocky start for Ring of Honor TV. I don't even have a $9.99 subscription to Honor Club. And I don't know when they're going to be starting their weekly television show, but I'm glad that they're getting their own little piece of the pie. They need to be on their own exclusively with their own roster. Enough of this mixing back and forth between Ring of Honor and AEW. It's not going to work. You got your AEW exclusive roster, and you got your Ring of Honor exclusive roster, and Ring of Honor being around is going to give homes to a lot of people that are working right now on Dark. And no matter what Tony Khan wants to say about it, Ring of Honor is going to be its own promotion. Ring of Honor, honestly, at the end of the day, is going to be a feeder system like NXT was for WWE's main roster. It's going to be a feeder system for AEW Dynamite. Instead of Dark being that, which right now it's not, Ring of Honor is going to be that, a much better version of that, People are going to get time to shine on Ring of Honor, and then when they're ready to graduate, they'll be ready for Dynamite. They'll be ready for the big leagues in AEW. He may not look at it like that, but I do. And many fans are going to look at it that way as well. So that's the news coming out of Ring of Honor. I don't know what you guys think about that. Let me know in the comments section down below or in the live stream chat if you're here right now live with me on YouTube. Ring of Honor was a great show. Tony Khan should be very proud of himself. I hope that it did better numbers than the last show. I know a lot of people, including me, have been hard on TK as of late for a lot of reasons. The man opened up about his personal life, about his mother, about the whole fucking William Regal situation. It is a very heartfelt situation, a very heartbreaking situation that he had to deal with. The man is under a lot of pressure. He's under a lot of stress. All this happened around the same time that CM Punk did what he did, all out, Grand Slam. The shows suffered. The company suffered creatively. He wasn't all there. He's got the Jacksonville Jaguars to deal with. On top of that, he's got his fucking football team over in the United Kingdom to deal with. The man doesn't fucking sleep. I don't know what the fuck he's running on. He's a goddamn android. This is why I say he needs a writing team. Where he can't get shit done, he's got a trusted, high-level employee to get the job done for him. Hopefully 2023 is a better year for AEW and Ring of Honor. But I know he's been under a lot of, a lot of stress, and you know people like me don't make shit better. Because we're very opinionated, we're very stern in what we say, we're very fickle fans. We want one thing, and then the next week it's another. 
But at the end of the day, you can't really mistake that for complaining or being a fucking spoiled bitch. We care. We complain because we care. We, we complain because we love. And that's basically what we do. So I do think that Ring of Honor and AEW being separate is going to yield better shows for everybody. But tonight, he should be proud because he put on one hell of a fucking performance tonight. Everybody put on uh, one hell of a performance. Tony Khan put on one hell of a fucking show tonight. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. NXT. Let's talk about NXT. I'm not, I'm not, this is, this is the review. I'm not going to go and break down these fucking matches for you. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and do that, man. You want to go, you want to go listen to somebody break down fucking matches of two shows, 15 matches, six hours? Go listen to fucking Fightful, man. I'm not going to do that here. NXT. Now, this is a fucking show that I've been very hard on. NXT fucking sucks. Every week, it's the same shit. I think it's Monday Night Raw light. Monday Night written by Vince McMahon light. That's the vibe that I get with NXT. Shawn Michaels is running NXT right now, and he was interviewed as of late in regards to what he does on WWE television. And he expressed that he and Triple H do not speak to one another and Triple H basically lets him do whatever he wants with NXT. Well, there you go. There you go. That's the reason why NXT sucks. Triple H at least knew what the fuck he was doing, and Shawn Michaels was his right-hand man along with Road Dogg and William Regal. They all work cohesively as a unit. Now that you got Shawn Michaels there, and you allow him to do whatever the fuck he wants, this is like an unattended child being left at home all by himself while his parents go out and have cocktail after cocktail after cocktail. It's not really a good look. This is why NXT has suffered. Shawn Michaels clearly is not the one who should be in charge solely by himself. Now, I was under the impression that Shawn Michaels ran NXT UK when Triple H was still in charge. Shawn Michaels ran NXT UK and Triple H ran NXT Black and Gold. Why was that show great, but this version of NXT sucks? I don't know. It's a very weird dynamic on Tuesday night. I want to like it, but I can't. I want to enjoy it, but it reminds me too much of what Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon did. Terrible acting, subpar wrestling, with only a handful of the fucking talent that I actually really enjoy, like... Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker and Cameron Grimes and Grayson Waller, Ilya Dragunov, and most of the NXT UK guys that were fucking wrestlers, right? You know who's who. Tony D'Angelo, the ladies, there's a lot of ladies on that show that I like. Roxanne Perez, Nikita Lyons. A lot of good talent on that show. A lot of good talent on that show. And I don't really understand why the show is just painful every fucking week. Painful. There you go. Shawn Michaels is running the ship by himself. Shawn Michaels and Triple H don't even talk. They don't even connect anymore. Mistake. Tonight, I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, this felt like a takeover. No. This is nowhere near a fucking NXT takeover, man. I don't know what the fuck you guys are smoking. Seriously. 
This was a very good show. This was probably the best NXT premium live events in the post 2.0 era. I did not feel bored. I did not feel like walking away from my television. I didn't get up and go find something else to do randomly during the two and a half hours that this show was. I thought tonight was a very good show, and everybody brought it. Everybody. The Iron Survivor. This is a new match concept by WWE. The reason why they came up with this concept is because they no longer have War Games operating on Tuesday night. War Games is not going to be a part of the NXT brand anymore. Triple H said, uh, HBK, I love you, but I'm taking War Games. War Games is now on the main roster, as we saw at Survivor Series. They needed something for their own. War Games was their own. They made War Games into their signature events. Now with Triple H in charge, he wants it back. Obviously, nobody's going to fight him over it. They needed a new concept on Tuesday night. They needed a new concept that is their own for premium live events. Thus, we get NXT Deadline and the Iron Survivor Challenge. Now, if you guys don't watch the Iron Survivor Challenge, what is it you're probably asking? The Iron Survivor Challenge is basically a mixture of Royal Rumble rules, a Fatal Five-Way, and an Iron Man match all in one. The rules of the match are simple. Five superstars will compete in this unique 25-minute match as they battle each other and the clock. Two superstars start the match, and every five minutes, a new superstar will enter the match until all five are in the ring. So this is basically like a gauntlet match, which ends up being a fatal five-way. The goal is to have the most falls in the 25 minutes. As soon as the 25 minutes is up, the one person, the one man, the one woman with the most falls in the match is declared the winner. Falls can be won at any time, pinfall, submission, and disqualification. When a superstar scores a pinfall, they will earn one point. When a superstar loses a fall, they don't lose points, but they get placed in a penalty box. They're forced out of the ring and into a penalty box that lasts for 90 seconds. Once the 90 seconds are up, the superstar can re-enter the match. The superstar who scores the most most pinfalls when the clock hits 25 minutes will be named the Iron Survivor and the number one contender for Mandy Rose and the number one contender for Braun Breaker and the NXT Championships. My first impression after the ladies opened the show was that it was a keeper. Now, I obviously thought the men's match was a lot better because it was a lot more fast-paced and there was a lot more action in the men's match. And they did a lot more with the match itself than the ladies did. But both matches were very good. The men's match, to me, was a little bit better. Roxanne Perez won the Iron Survivor match. She legitimately is the first ever Iron Survivor in WWE history. She beat Cora Jade, Indy Hartwell. Roxanne Perez beat Zoe Stark, as well as Kiana James. And this is a name that I want you guys to take name of. Take note of, and she, to me, no matter who was in this match and who won it, Roxanne Perez won it. Kiana James, to me, was the star of the match. She's never been on a premium live event before. WWE gave her the opportunity 
to go in there with Zoe Stark, who is a veteran of this roster, Roxanne Perez, who's probably the biggest baby face on the NXT women's roster, Indy Hartwell, who's been there for many years, and Cora Jade, who is one of the biggest up-and-coming women stars in WWE. She, to me, was the shining star of this entire match. She is very good. And WWE has a lot of top-tier prospects in the women's division, man. I think Nikita Lyons is fucking awesome. I think Roxanne Perez is awesome. Cora Jade is getting there. She's not there yet, but the transformation from babyface to heel has made her great. The character is there. She's got the character down. Now she's just got to tighten everything else up, and she'll be right there with Roxanne and Nikita and everybody else. Zoe Stark has grown on me. She's fucking great at what she does. I don't really... I find her to be kind of bland as far as the character is concerned, but she's there. I think Tiffany Stratton is fucking great. The gimmick might be a little cringe, but man, can she go. And I can't wait for her to get back to television. And I'll talk about her in a second. Kiana James is going to be somebody you're going to be talking about. I'm also a big fan of Tatum Paxley as well. I love her look as well. Kiana James stood out to me, and the gimmick might be a little cheesy. It might be a little cringe. She's got this... Sexy school tea. I guess you kind of like that thing. I mean, I know there are men out there that love this type of thing. Sexy school teacher slash businesswoman type attire she wears to the ring. She's got the glasses. She's got the hair pulled back, right? She's every man's fantasy out there. But man, can she fucking go? She is very good. She was doing shit in there like, whoa. I would expect that from somebody else, but she's in there doing the thing. So for her first NXT premium live event, to me, she's the MVP of this match. Even in loss, she looked great. And the future is bright for that one. Believe me. I thought the Iron Survivor Challenge for both the men and the women were very good. There was a great sense of urgency towards the later part of the match when the time limit was running down. You could do a lot of fun shit with that, man. You could have nobody get a pinfall in all 25 uh, or 20-plus minutes and then bring it down to the wire where the, the pinfalls are going to come randomly, unexpectedly, fast and furious, Right? And that's when the match really gets interesting. And that's exactly what it did for the men. On the flip side, the men, Grayson Waller got in there, and as soon as he came out, he had the luck of the draw. He came out late in the match, and he scored two pinfalls as soon as he got in there because all the other guys that were already in the match, they were beating the shit out of each other. And he seen an opening to get two pinfalls right away, and he was up. He wasn't even the match in the match for 10 seconds, and he was up 2 nothing already. There's a great sense of urgency. The time limit, right? 25 minutes. You're getting a long match without it overstaying its welcome. Nobody wants to watch a fucking 60-minute match unless it absolutely needs to call for it. But 25 minutes is really a sweet spot, especially for a chaotic multi-man match. The sense of urgency, the penalty box was also something that I like because it actively takes out somebody from the match and it leaves them trying to think about how they're going to get back in there and if they're behind, how am I going to overcome these odds now that I'm out of the action for almost two minutes? And the men, they used the penalty box. They were fighting in the penalty box. They were jumping, uh, Axiom jumped off the fucking penalty box. I thought the penalty box was a great addition to this match because it really changes the the, the dynamic. And it really changes the entire mentality of somebody in the match then being taken out. What are they going to do next? If you love Iron Man matches, I love Iron Man matches. I think Iron Man matches are great. If you love Iron Man matches, if you love, you know, the unpredictability of the draw 
So whoever comes out, number one, obviously has the fucking shit draw. And every five minutes, you can imagine being the last guy, but it works in both ways. It's the, it's the, uh, it's the tale of two evils. If you come out there, number one, you're going to be in there for all 25 minutes. But if you come out at number five, right? If you, if you come out at number five, you could already be down fucking two falls to zero and you got barely any time to go in there and tie it up. So the match itself creates a lot of different dynamics and you don't really see that. It takes a little bit of several matches and just jams them together and it creates a nice, unique environment for NXT where they can call it their own. And the crowd was big time into it. So if you're asking me if I'm a fan of the match, I think, I think it was great. I thought it was unique. I thought it really did the job. Crowd was into it. And I could see this being a regular thing every December. Good on them. I'd be curious to know who came up with the concept because they, they took a gamble and it worked. And that's the type of shit I like to see. Roxanne Perez won the women's match. Absolutely nobody better to win this match. Zoe Stark... She's got her thing going on with Nikita Lyons right now. Kiana James, not there yet at all for a world championship. Indy Hartwell, everybody loves Indy. I could see her on the main roster eventually. Cora Jade, not there yet. Mandy Rose is the world champion, the women's world champion. Out of these women, who do you think would match up best with Mandy? Mandy, we're, we're nearing an expiration date on Mandy Rose. Why would anybody else outside Roxanne Perez be a good fit for Mandy Rose? Mandy Rose has been on a Bruno Sammartino-like fucking reign here. Not really, but you get my point. Outside of everybody that we've seen in the ring with Mandy, Roxanne has not been built up yet to go one-on-one with Mandy. Now we have that. We got Mandy's heel to Roxanne's babyface. Mandy Rose is absolutely ready to go back to the main roster Maybe with all of Toxic Attraction. But Roxanne Perez is the babyface that you put in there to win the championship and get her to the face of the division. Well, Mandy and Toxic Attraction gets called up because the talent in the NXT Women's Division is there where you do not need Toxic Attraction, giving us rehash every Tuesday. Put them on SmackDown. That's where they belong. So Roxanne Perez wins. After Roxanne Perez... That's where Tiffany Stratton comes into play. Tiffany Stratton will be NXT Women's Champion in 2023. Mark my words. Roxanne Perez and Tiffany Stratton is going to be your number one feud in 2023. After that, I don't know. Roxanne goes to the main roster. Cora Jade, everybody loves Cora Jade. Management apparently loves Cora Jade. You could see Roxanne and Cora Jade go up to the main roster. They could be... Not really, but they could be very reminiscent of Sasha and Bailey going up to the main roster together. That's what I see there. So Roxanne's going to be the new women's champion. I don't really know why you would give this to Roxanne. Last 25 minutes and then have her lose to Mandy Rose. That really doesn't make sense to me. So Roxanne Perez, to me, already has solidified a women's championship. This is her time. Everybody loves her. And it's going to be awesome. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. I thought this match was great. The ladies were killing it tonight. I wasn't really familiar with Isla Dawn. She's got a great look. She does. Outside of the whole fucking witching fucking black eyes and witchcraft and all this other shit. It's not my type of thing. It may be your type of thing, but it's not my type of thing. 
She and Alba Fire had a great match until the ending. All of a sudden, the referee starts fucking spitting up black goo. I thought Alexa Bliss was somewhere in the fucking building. Referee starts splitting, uh, spitting up black goo, and Isla Dawn ends up beating Alba Fire because of the fucking referee spitting up black shit. WWE can't seem to get away from their fucking supernatural elements. Why? One step forward, four steps back for this fucking company. It's like Isla Dawn is the, the, the female version of Malachi Black on NXT. They were fucking beating the shit out of each other. That's what I want to see. That UK strong style? Now, we know Alba Fire is going to go in there and fucking tear the house down, man. She's, she hits hard. But Alba Fire, and it worked great because they worked previously together in NXT UK, so that, that, that they had going for them as well. I thought this was great up until the ending, man. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Spitting up black goo. Why? Why do we need that? I get it. She's a witch, Bruce. Probably Bruce Pritchard fucking idea. Ah, we need, we need some of Vince's elements here. No, no, we don't. More of Alba Fire and Isla Dawn before the referee spot. The black goo, get rid of it. Ridiculous. Pretty deadly. NXT Tag Team Champions, man. They, to me, are the new generation Beverly brothers. That's exactly what they remind me of, but Bo and Blake Beverly were a lot cooler than uh, these two geeks. So, pretty deadly. They're going around claiming that they are the greatest tag team in NXT history. Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. They're pretty guys. They're good-looking guys. A little too comedic for my liking, but pretty guys, and they're pretty damn good in the ring. But the New Day, they show up. They lose to the Usos a couple of weeks ago in chase of their tag team title reign. Then they go to NXT, and they win the NXT Tag Team Championships tonight. They beat pretty deadly for the NXT Tag Team Championships. So I'm watching this, and I'm saying, okay, I, I get it, but I also don't get it creatively. Now, this makes, I don't give a fuck what you tell me or how you spin it to me. This makes zero sense creatively. Zero. The New Day beating an up-and-coming tag team in the company makes no sense whatsoever. It's exactly like Dolph Ziggler beating Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. It did nothing. Nothing. The same thing. Now, whereas that, they did it in a time when NXT was not a touring brand yet. Now NXT's back on the road weekly. And they're going back out on the road for premium live events. They're moving out of the Performance Center, which is absolutely fantastic. Vengeance Day is moving out of the Performance Center, and they will be taking place in Charlotte, North Carolina. So NXT Vengeance Day, February 4th, from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Awesome. Great. Different audience is going to create a different vibe, and a different vibe with a different audience is going to make for a different show, a fresher show. The Performance Center crowd has burned me out completely. That's not a full-sale crowd. 
That crowd is different from a full sale crowd. I could take a fucking piss in the middle of the ring and they'd fucking be giving me holy shit chance with fight forever. This is not the full sale crowd. Completely different group of people. No matter where they're picking you up from, it's a completely different group of people. You want to know why? Because those people aren't watching this shit because it's nothing like the black and gold. Those people are now watching Ring of Honor and AEW Dynamite. That's not the same audience. I don't know where the fuck these people came from, but that's not the full sell crowd. So the fact that they're moving out, out of the Performance Center for the next show is absolutely tremendous. Much needed. So I'm glad about that. But the reason why NXT is now the New Day's tag team division is because they're going back on the road. You see, when the WWE made this decision to move out of the Performance Center, you didn't think that they were going to shuffle pieces around and, and get pieces in place to go and try and maximize their audience? NXT ratings are stuttering on Tuesday night. They're not really where they want them to be. Sometimes they're in the sevens. Most of the times they're in the fives and six. So now they're going back on the road and they're taking the show out on the road for the next premium live event. How do you think they're going to achieve getting people in the building? You think fucking Kit Wilson and Elton Prince are going to sell tickets to the fucking Vengeance Day show? You think Grayson Waller against Braun Breaker is going to sell the fucking show? No. No, they can't do that without some notable main roster names. And the New Day going up against Schism, or the New Day going up against the Creeds, or the New Day going up against Pretty Deadly, or anybody else is going to be a draw because Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston are going to be in the building. Hey, somebody I know, let's go watch this WWE show tonight. That's exactly why they made the New Day the Tag Team Champions. Creatively, it doesn't make fucking sense at all. But what these four guys did was very entertaining. I didn't mind the match at all. Crowd was big time into it. They had a nice little funny spot at the end where they tried to hit each other with the belts. They basically did the Eddie Guerrero spot times four. Referee saw all four of them down. New Day ends up winning with the Midnight Hour. Good stuff. I didn't totally hate it. I'm not a big fan of Pretty Deadly, but I think they're main roster ready. I do. I don't think we need Pretty Deadly to go and regain the Tag Team Championships over the New Day like Braun Breaker did with Ziggler because it did absolutely nothing for Braun Breaker at all. Maybe the in-ring experience working with Dolph Ziggler worked out for Braun Breaker. Maybe he learned a thing or three, but Pretty, uh, pretty Deadly being in there with the New Day, it gave them a taste of what's to come on the main roster, and they are more than ready than main roster ready there. They got the wrestling and the sports entertainment aspect of it down, whether you like them or not. But creatively, this made no sense at all. And that's why the New Day won the tag team championships. The men's Iron Survivor match. This was Axiom, Carmelo Hayes, Grayson Waller, J.D. McDonough, and Joe Gacy. This was one of the best. This was probably the best match of the entire night. And I mean that from a Bolt Show's perspective. I thought this was great. This was easily the best match of this show, but I thought this was one of the best matches of the entire night. Crowd was big time into it. Carmelo Hayes is fucking fantastic. Grayson Waller is great. J.D. McDonough is great. Joe Gacy, they finally took Joe Gacy out of the fucking slacks and gray business shirt that he got at Macy's. 
He actually is wearing wrestling gear. Wow. They changed their presentation. I don't watch this show on a weekly basis at all anymore, but they changed his presentation. That goes a long way. So I'm glad to see him in wrestling gear. And the reason why he wasn't in wrestling gear, he wore black trunks tonight. The reason why he did not come out like he did tonight when Vince was there, because Vince doesn't like those types of guys that look like Joe Gacy. They get misconstrued as fat. And that's why they hid Joe Gacy in a fucking uh, Macy's button down that you could get on sale for $14.99 and black Dickies slacks. That's what they gave him. So I enjoyed the presentation of Joe Gacy tonight because he actually looked like a fucking pro wrestler instead of somebody that should be cleaning the fucking men's bathroom at Target. Awesome. Grayson Waller won this thing. And that's the right guy to win it. We've seen Joe Gacy and Braun Breaker. That was never going to happen. We've seen J.D. McDonough. We're not going to see that again. Why would we? Axiom? Nobody's going to take Axiom to be serious against Braun Breaker. And Carmelo Hayes? Carmelo Hayes is ready for the Royal Rumble. Carmelo Hayes is ready for the main roster. Carmelo Hayes lost his opportunity at the North American Championship. He lost the Iron Survivor Challenge. What else is there for Carmelo Hayes to do on NXT? I've seen a lot of you guys in the pre-show chat here tonight saying that Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker is the money match for NXT Stand and Deliver. Why? Why is that? You don't think Carmelo Hayes is beyond the NXT brand anymore? You don't think Carmelo Hayes is beyond the NXT championship? The fuck does he need the NXT championship for? This man should be in the, in the United States championship title program with Seth Rollins. This man should be uh, wrestling Ricochet on Friday Night SmackDown. What the fuck do we need him to wrestle Braun Breaker for? You're only, you're only delaying the inevitable here. You're delaying him from going and achieving bigger status. The fuck do you want him on NXT for? I don't understand that. The only man that was logical here was Grayson Waller. NXT needs Melo. Melo doesn't need NXT anymore. Now, I know Shawn Michaels is a big proponent. He loves Carmelo Hayes. But I think we're more than ready to see Carmelo Hayes on the main roster. There's no reason why we should be continuously holding this man back. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. So Carmelo Hayes was not the right guy. Grayson Waller was the right guy. And he is the guy that is going on to wrestle Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. And this is the right decision. This is absolutely the right decision because Braun Breaker wrestled Apollo Crews tonight. And what I thought was a very good match. This was the best that we've seen Apollo Crews in the ring. Character-wise, this is the best Apollo Crews that we've seen in a very long time. I was a fan of... What he did with Commander Aziz and the whole, the whole Nigerian gimmick that he was doing, I thought he played that great. He owned it, and I appreciate and respect that. Vince, he got bored with it. He went from having no accent to having an accent, but he was just channeling his, his history, right? He was challenging his, his nationality. So now we see him. I think he's doing the best character work of his entire run in WWE, and he's always been phenomenal to me in the ring. He's very good at what he does. And I thought he had a very good match with Braun Breaker. Was this Braun Breaker's best match? No, not at all. 
I thought Tyler Bate was actually Braun Breaker's best match. But Apollo Crews failed at winning the NXT World Championship, and Braun Breaker ends another show with the World Championship. Why? Braun Breaker is somebody that's also ready for the main roster as well, but not if you ask Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels spoke of Braun Breaker, and he said while he could absolutely adapt and immediately be ready for the main roster, Michaels said this, he's going to step up to any challenge. Look, I guess selfishly, I'd like to keep him here and really round him out. I don't want him to, I don't want to keep him from any opportunities and I'd love to do that again, but if we had the option to keep him and make him a more well-rounded performer on the main roster, I'd like to do that. I'd like to wrap him up nicely in a bow and deliver, deliver him to them perfectly ready to go. It's respectable. Not going to fucking tell Shawn Michaels he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing as far as finding talent in a performer. If Michaels doesn't think he's ready, then Braun Breaker is not ready. And Shawn Michaels, you got to respect that. He wants Braun Breaker to go to the main roster when he deems him 100%, not 95, not 98, 100%. So I respect that. We as a fan think that Braun Breaker's ready. We as fans think that Braun Breaker's run as neared its expiration date because we feel like he's run through everybody, everybody except Grayson Waller, who I do think should win the world championship because he is a heat magnet, and he could be to NXT what MJF is to the AEW title and AEW Dynamite. People love to hate MJF. People love to hate Grayson Waller. Clearly, they're not the same, and one is far superior than the other, but it's the same mentality. Grayson Waller is a heat magnet, and people will pay to see him lose. And he is also somebody that's going to get better as the time goes on, and him being a heel with baby faces on that roster, I could see somebody stepping up to the plate and taking that title off of Grayson Waller. That's a lot better dynamic than having Braun Breaker win, 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 and he's already gone through basically everybody. He hasn't gone through Carmelo, but I don't think Carmelo really needs that championship because he's here and the title right now is here. He should be in the Royal Rumble. He should be prepped for a WrestleMania spot. Maybe money in the bank. Why do we need Carmelo Hayes wrestling WrestleMania weekend for NXT stand and deliver at 1 fucking p.m. Eastern time in the afternoon when he could be on night two of WrestleMania wrestling for the fucking money in the bank briefcase if they do end up moving it back to WrestleMania? Doesn't make sense to me. Grayson Waller was the right outcome. Grayson Waller should absolutely be the one to take down Braun Breaker and win the NXT World Championship. Simple. I thought tonight was a great night of pro wrestling. Great night of pro wrestling. Ring of Honor killed it. Final battle was great. NXT, clearly not a fan of NXT anymore. But I, I, I don't want to sit here and tell you I don't appreciate the talent that comes off the show. I just don't like the way the show's produced. I don't like the writing. I don't like the way it feels. I think they could do a lot better by adding some of those older elements that work for black and gold and do them here. It's way too polished. It's way too main roster-esque. It's still very reminiscent of Vince and Bruce. That's why I don't really care for it. But tonight was their best show, easily their best show, with a great new gimmick, a great new concept that I hope to see around every year. The right winners won. 
maybe not Braun, but the right winners won. And final battle, as close to NXT TakeOver that you're going to get. Appreciate what Tony Khan is doing when he gives us these pay-per-views. And the only thing I could say negatively about the Ring of Honor show, seven matches, a little bit too much for the Ring of Honor show. It did fly by. They went from one match, it ended right into the next match. I like when things are allowed to breathe. They still got this fucking, you know, this rapid fire pace to the shows. This is why I appreciate the WWE pay-per-views. Five or six matches, you get a couple of minutes in between, a video package in between, you breathe, you go to the bathroom, you go get something to drink, you come back, the next match is already starting. Ring of Honor and AEW, boom, 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 boom. It's like one match ends and they go right into the next match without any fucking, <gasps> let me breathe. Let me breathe. Let me breathe. Well, both shows tonight, excellent shows. And everybody should be very proud of themselves. Guys, that is it. I'm not going to sit here and go over move for move, hold for hold, match for match. I gave you my thoughts on the show. Hopefully you appreciated it. We're going to get into the Super Chats right now in just a little bit. And I hope you enjoyed what I brought to the table here tonight, covering both Ring of Honor Final Battle and NXT Deadline here on Off The Script. Follow me on social media, man, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys... Hit that thumbs up. 1,800 people in here tonight. I need 1,000 likes minimum on this post show right here tonight on Saturday night. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And if you missed any of the content on the channel, make sure you guys go and check all that stuff out. There's extras. There's live streams from Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Shorts, YouTube shorts, they're there. I got some more stuff going up tomorrow. And make sure you guys get those Super Chats in, man. Get those Super Chats in. Like I said, we are going to hang out with our cold beverages. And if you guys want to become a channel member, we will be live tomorrow night. We're off the scripts. Become a channel member tomorrow night. VIP only Sundays. So make sure you guys hit that join button and become a channel member right here on Off the Scripts. Let's start at the top, man. Joseph Taylor with a five and a three and a six. Thank you for the three super chats, Joseph Taylor. FTR versus Briscoe's match of the night. Absolutely. I don't know what it is. I just find Isla Dawn very attractive. I guess I'm into those crazy emo women like Isla. Isla Dawn is very beautiful, bro. I agree with you. My favorite Goldberg match, Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 33. Yeah, I, re I remember that. It was like a five or six minute fucking chaos. Destruction. I would say my favorite Brock Lesnar match in the time that he's been back has been uh, either Brian Danielson, AJ Styles, or the Roman match at SummerSlam. Not today, Jay, with the 499. What the fuck was that tag team title change? I'm guessing you're talking about the New Day and Pretty Deadly. I have no idea. Creatively, it makes zero sense. But I gave you the reason why I thought that they made the change as NXT is going back on the road and taking the show from the Performance Center for the next premium live event to a different city completely with this unknown NXT entity that is a rebrand of a rebrand of a rebrand. Kind of. Jerry Ramey with a $50 Super Chat. 
JD drinks for the OTS family all around. Let's get nuts. Sorry. Watching Batman 1989. Adam West was fucking great, bro. Was that Adam West? I used to watch that all the time, man. I loved Adam West. Revenge with a three-month VIP membership. Thank you, brother. The future is looking bright in both companies. Feels very good to be a wrestling fan. Keep up the great work, Jay. The OTS for life. Drink responsibly, guys. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. What are you drinking tonight? To celebrate three months, brother. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, I'm sorry. Adam West was what, the 70s? Or well, the 60s? Well, when, when was that? I don't know. Why did I, why did I think Adam West? Ma, Raymond Moore with a $5 suit jet. It's good for the New Day to win because they can pump up the NXT Tech Team roster on the main roster to get them ready for when they do end up getting called. I could see that. I could see that. Javier Martinez with a 199. New Day being champs is for ticket sales for premium live events. Absolutely, Javier. That's exactly what I said here tonight. No doubt about it. Not today, Jay, with a 499 Super Chat. I would say put Ring of Honor on Tuesday nights since it's pretty much going to be their developmental system. Man, Adam West was in the 60s. Huh? That, that shit was way beyond its time, bro. I don't know. I don't know why I, I don't know why I thought uh, Adam West in 1989. Holy shit. Where's my mind at? Michael Keaton's was good, bro. I prefer uh, I prefer my Heath Ledger, Dark Knight. One of the best movies ever. Um, I don't know where they're gonna be, bro. Tuesday nights to do what? Actively compete with NXT? I don't I don't mind it, because I would rather watch Ring of Honor over NXT anyway. But uh I just have a feeling they're going to be on Thursday nights, 10 o'clock on Axis. 10 o'clock to 11 or 11 to 12. Awful. Now that New Japan is getting involved, what, what does that mean? And if AEW, Tony Khan, Ring of Honor are working with New Japan like this, what does that mean for Sasha? Is she heading to AEW as well? That's also a question. It's also a narrative that I, I want you guys to th start thinking about. Daniel Rodriguez with a 199. Sean is not the head rider. It's Johnny Russo. Well, he's got to go. Johnny Russo's got to go, bro. Is that Vince Russo's bro? Javier Martinez with a 499. Tiffany, 22 years old versus Roxanne, 20 years old. That stand and deliver as well as Carmelo versus Braun. Four superstars at Mania Weekend. Bro, Carmelo does not need the stand-and-deliver main event. The man is already busting at the seams on NXT. We don't need him on NXT anymore. Velocifactor with a 199. It was cool to see Booker tear up over Roxanne's win. Was he really crying or was he acting sarcastic? Good for him. He trained her. Triple M with a one-month VIP membership. Thank you, Triple M. Another busy night of work, but 
was able to listen in, taking a break from Destiny until Lightfall because game is stale right now. Keep up the good work, JD. Bro, I don't really want to grind for these fucking weapons anymore, man. It's just too much. He was actually crying. Good for him, then. Craig with the five months. What are you drinking for five months, brother? Thank you, JD, for doing what you do every week. Definitely the king of the IWC. Abso-fucking-lutely, brother. Nobody's even close. Furious Nation with 14 months. What's up, JD? Ring of Honor, final battle. And NXT Deadline did good tonight, in my opinion. I know I haven't been super chatty lately. Work has been kicking my ass lately. Thank you, Furious, for 14 months, brother. It's a long time, man. You're on your way to uh, getting that 24 months. And that is all I got for you guys tonight, man. We uh, we did good tonight, man. We kept it under two hours. I didn't want to sit here and fuck it. I would have been here till... Uh, I would have been here for three hours to talk about pro wrestling, man, which is something I did not want to do on a Saturday night because I want to go downstairs and make a gin and tonic. Now relax. And take it easy. But I hope you guys had a great night. I hope you enjoyed the, the post show. I hope you guys enjoyed my opinion on everything. You guys are great. You guys are great. Tomorrow night will be live, man. NXT, Ring of Honor in the books. Tomorrow night will be live with OTS. Live flagship podcast. Going to have all the major stories to talk about. Sasha Banks, Roman Reigns, and everything else that happened this week. So make sure you guys get involved. Make sure you guys get involved, bro. Saturday night's in the books, guys. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. In the comments section, let me know what you guys thought of both shows. What was your highlight of the night? Do you agree with some of the takes that I had? If not, let me know what you disagree with. Comment section is yours. Any sort of engagement down below is great. As YouTube loves that shit. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Hit that thumbs up. Continue to hit that thumbs up. 1,000 likes is the minimum tonight. And go check out all the other content on the channel. Plenty of it. Monday Night Raw from Monday. Wednesday's Dynamite, Friday's SmackDown, and everything in between, man. Extras, breaking news, shorts, you name it. It's all on the homepage. Go and check that stuff out as we are aiming for 140,000 subscribers before the end of 2022. Would love to get there before the end of 2022, man. And then, like I said, I'll be live tomorrow night, man, 8 p.m., We'll be doing our thing right here live on YouTube with Off The Scripts. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday night, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Hope you enjoyed Ring of Honor, Final Battle, NXT Deadline. 
I need those ace emojis in the chat. I need those rock on emojis in the chat. I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. And I need that music on max. Guys, I will see you live tomorrow night right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.